It's Monday, February 3rd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Fool.com, Taylor Muckerman, and from Motley Fool 1, Jason Moser. Happy first trading day in February. How long did it take you to yeah. get into work today? I mean, you live here in Alexandria, right? Yeah. Golly, traffic was a bear out there today. Yeah, the rain. Pretty brutal. This is, for all the talk of snow, and certainly <laughs> plenty of people across America have had horrible times with snow, but I think it's fair to say that when it rains here in the greater D.C. area, that is the thing that just cripples the region in terms of traffic. Because when it snows, there are a lot of people who say, well, it's snowing. I'm not, I'm not getting out on, in my car. You know, there, so I've, I've been seeing a lot of tweets about snow, I guess, over on the western side, towards the Maryland side. But it made me think about a tweet I saw this weekend from our friend Bill Mann, you know, TMF Otter on Twitter. If you want to follow him, he's always a good follow. But he's out in Park City skiing over the week. Yes. So then he sends this tweet. He's like, hey, you know, Mr. Groundhog, I think I'm speaking for all of America. And I ask you to please do us a solid. Do us a solid. And, and then I start thinking, wait a minute now, Bill. <laughs> I'm trying to understand exactly what you're going for here, because this is coming from a guy out in Park City. Well, you know, you go to Park City to ski. It was a family vacation um, with uh, his uh, – there was something to do with his dad. I think it was his his dad's retirement or something like that. So it was a wonderful – so you go to Park City. But, yeah, I think for the rest of America, for certainly – People in Minnesota, where it's minus fifty, it's like, come on, Punxsutawney Phil. <laughs> no, he let him down. So, and, yeah. and the groundhog <laughs> let us let us down. Six more weeks of winter. Um, we're going to dip into the full mailbag, but we are going to start with topic A in the world today, certainly in America today, and that is not just the Super Bowl, but the Super Bowl ads. Because let's face it, the day after the Super Bowl, the big story in business is, well, what were the best ads? What were the what were people's favorite ads? What were the worst ads? But we're also seeing on Wall Street investors voting by buying and selling shares of some of the companies behind this. And I'll just start with something that surprised that me a little sounds. bit. As crazy as that sounds. <laughs> and yet one of the biggest gainers on the New York Stock Exchange today is Radio Shack. Yep. Is it really? I haven't looked at it. It is. The stock of the day today we did it. I just, you know, I, I was looking at this, trying, I mean, so I, I, for one, actually really like that commercial. I mean, it took yeah. me back a little way. I mean, anytime you get Alf and Slim Goodbody on the same commercial there, I feel like there's something there, if, right? If you missed it, it was uh, a Hulk lot of Hogan, cultural icons, yeah. cultural icons from the 1980s showing up at a radio shack yep. store and just basically raiding it. Yeah, I mean, they were they were just taking it back to, like, the 80s. <laughs> They're I taking was, the carpet out of yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> it was very clever. I mean, I, I do I, – they, they certainly did, in my book, um, win the ad ball from that perspective. I mean, you know, unfortunately for Radio Shack, I mean, that, that does nothing for their actual business. <laughs> I mean, so you have to – I think it's really a good lesson for investors to – to be able to kind of look at things like this and try to separate yourself, uh, you know, separate yourself, your feelings about a company, your emotions versus the actual reality of the situation. Um, and I mean, this is going to be something that will probably give Radio Shack a little social media time. They're running a Twitter contest today yeah. where they're giving away some, you know, obscure 80s memorabilia. But I mean, at the end of the day, a week from now, this is going to be, you know, last year's news, essentially. It's not going to really do anything that that takes care of Radio Shack's fundamental issues, which is a top-line uh, revenue number that continues to fall, margins which are falling off a cliff, and really no nothing that, that differentiates you know Radio Shack from, from any other retailer out there. And so, I mean, they're just stuck in a really tough position. But with that said, I mean, I, I do I, – I respect what they did. I admire it. I mean, I think it was worth the investment because at this point, you got to try something. Um, 
Well, and, and so, if, you know, applause for the commercial. It was a good one. And if you're Radio Shack, let's face it, depending on what your business is, you're advertising in the Super Bowl, you're, tr- you're looking to accomplish different things. So for Radio Shack, it's what is a way that we can essentially just reintroduce ourselves to people to say, in essence, give us a chance. Yeah. If you're Budweiser, with the great commercials they ran, for Budweiser, it's really... It's. I don't want to say it's a low bar, but for Budweiser, it's just a chance to emphasize something else. And oh, by the way, we're Budweiser. Please buy and drink our beer. But for you, look at the Budweiser ads, Taylor, and it's the puppy and the horse, and they're they're really evoking emotion. It's not so much Scarlett Johansson saying, "Please go out and buy a soda stream device <laughs> and make your own soda." As, many, as much as people might want every commercial to have her in there begging to buy the product, um, yeah, they really don't need to. Um, I was actually, you know, on the edge of my seat wondering when the Clydesdales were going to make their first appearance, and yeah. I think it didn't it come in the second half. I don't remember when, but it was later than I had expected. And then they had the they brought home the the soldier from war in the second commercial. Um, so they had two big wins, and you hit it right on the head, uh, tugging at your heartstrings. The cute factor of the puppy and the horse, and then obviously saluting our heroes um, from overseas. So um, I think with a brand that strong, they can have a little bit more fun with it. Um, obviously, Radio Shack had fun with it, but uh, the, the the idea behind that commercial was a little bit more serious than Budweiser's um, because they they really don't need it for the business side of things. How bad would it have been for Radio Shack had their commercial actually aired around the beginning of the fourth quarter? Oh, yeah. I mean, under normal <laughs> circumstances in the Super Bowl, that would suck. Yeah, right. Last night, that would have been just fatal. I that mean, that would have been, been like rubbing salt in the wound, essentially, because, I mean, I think probably half the world changed their TV to Downton Abbey about that time. Insurance is that... That's not a publicly traded company, is it? It used to I'm be owned sure. by White Mountain Insurance Company. Okay. Um, and then White Mountains, which is essentially kind of like a Markel sort of company, it's an insurer that uh, does a lot of investing and, and stuff like that. So they bought insurance a while back, realized a phenomenal return on it, <clears throat> and then sold it off. I, I think all state bought I it. I thought that was a very clever commercial because they bought the first ad after the game ended. Mm-hmm. And really played into that with the whole theme of we're going to save – we just saved 30 uh, percent. That's what you can save with us, That's too, what yeah. you can save with mm-hmm. us. Um, speaking of being on the edge of your seat, I was on the edge of my seat for the first 60 seconds or so of that Chrysler commercial, uh, commercial Bob with Dillon. Bob Dylan yeah. trying to figure out what in the hell is this an ad for? There were a few commercials like <laughs> I, that, like I, Coca-Cola's ad where they didn't even show the bottle till the last few seconds of it. Yeah. Yeah, I was kind of shocked. And then Audi's, my favorite was the Dober Huawa. I don't know if you guys saw that. That was my favorite one of the... It was a little bit disturbing, actually. (laughs) I don't like that he's looking at us. Yeah. (laughs) But you're right. That really is a gamble if you're an advertiser Mm -hmm. to to save until the final five to ten seconds what your company is. It has to be a compelling commercial to keep you tuned in. It really has to be. And the, I don't know, the Bob Dylan, the Chrysler one, to me... I look at those and I compare them not necessarily to other commercials, but to other commercials that Chrysler has done in the past. I thought the M and M one that mm-hmm. they did in Detroit a couple of years ago was phenomenal. <laughs> and the M M&M and M one. I'm going to chop you up into a million pieces and <laughs> sprinkle you on ice cream. Um, is it safe to assume that without having to spend a dime on advertising, Twitter is the biggest winner of all? Just because you think of how many commercials ended with. A screenshot that included a hashtag yep. encouraging people to go to Twitter to weigh in on the commercial or or in Radio Shack's uh, instance, they are trying to get people to tweet to them. 
Yeah, I think I don't all know. In all. Again, it's a nice gauge of who was you know engaged by your commercial. Yeah. And also, again, they're not spending a dime. Mm-hmm. It's people doing the advertising for Twitter. It certainly helps that these events really play into Twitter. But I saw one stat this morning that 30 million tweets or so during the game itself, which is pretty incredible. Yeah, I think the hashtag, when you look at it, the first the first reaction when, it, when you see hashtag, I think, is towards Twitter. I know Facebook is implementing hashtags into their, um, into their environment as well. I, I, I think that, you know, the two, two big winners from this are Facebook and Twitter, no question. I saw where Facebook had actually reached out to celebrities of certain stature i mean they they were whether they were football players or you know whatever singers um but they'd kind of said hey look if you can during the course of the super bowl send out some facebook posts maybe post a picture of your party sort of reactions to big plays then they would you know facebook would in turn give those individuals uh i guess amplified uh, exposure in, in in Facebook, you know that was, that was sort of the incentive. I don't know how that really turned out, but it de- it, it did seem to be a little bit. I don't know with, with that big of a user base, I, I would kind of feel like that behavior on Facebook would be more or less organic anyway. I, I mean, I don't know that Twitter uh, did anything like that, but I, you're right. I think with every commercial that had a hashtag at the end of it, I think Twitter is the is the primary beneficiary of that. You can email us, radio at fool.com is our email address. You can also follow us on Twitter, at MarketFoolery is our Twitter handle. Question from Alec Roth in San Francisco, California, who writes, what is the best place to find a quarterly or annual progression of a company's profit margin? Thanks for all you do to empower the individual investor. Uh, great question. Thanks for listening, Alec. Um, pretty nuts and bolts, Taylor. Where where do you go for that sort of thing? Um, well, I mean, if you have access to Wall Street Journal or Yahoo Finance, you can do it like that. Or you can just go to the company's 10Ks, 10Qs. And if you want to really get engaged, uh, put it put it into an Excel spreadsheet and, and kind of build out your own calculations. So um, you're not just looking at somebody else's. You can verify them straight from the company itself. Um, and that's typically what I do. Uh, Capital IQ is a great source for us here at The Fool um, that we have access to. But We pay for that. Though. Yeah, we pay yeah. for that. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately for everyone, <laughs> Do you find – I don't know to what extent you guys reach out to the investor relations departments at various public companies. I have to imagine that on balance, they're more responsive to individual investors than they were, say, 10, 15, certainly 20 years ago. But is that is – that one, is that something that you do? And two, if you do reach out to them, does that ever – go in the plus or minus column when you're evaluating a company just in terms of their responsiveness. Yeah, I think so. I've reached out a couple times for shares of companies that I own. You know, something quirky comes up and you need a little bit more clarification on it, or just providing some articles for for our readers on fool.com. Um, and yeah, if they're not very responsive or they're short with their answers, you kind of have to worry. Maybe you caught somebody new, maybe you caught them on a bad day. But um, if it's a recurring thing, you you definitely want to worry about why they're not providing you right. with this kind of information when uh, they most certainly should. And keeping in mind that they have a job to do, and if it's the week before they're reporting earnings, right? Yeah, you got to take that into. Chances are they're a little busy. It's like if you've ever had a friend who's an accountant, the, the first three months of the calendar year, you're not seeing that friend. Right, exactly. Deep, don't invite a, don't you invite know, if anyone You know anyone who's ever done taxes, just don't even bother calling them till late April. Yeah, I think – so, Taylor, I think keyed in on probably the best way to go about this is to go through the, the company's financials. I mean, if you, if you need to, you can look up the definitions – uh, on the full wiki, which you can actually find uh, on on the Motley Fool homepage, 
Um, if you just go to the How to Invest tab from the whole the homepage, you can see the full wiki, and you can actually just look up in the search bar gross margin, operating margin, net margin. You can see those definitions. You could set up an Excel spreadsheet, and you could just set up the calculations and import all of those numbers. And that way, you know you're getting them straight from the source. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, an easier way that is not as granular as a quarterly, but you can go to Morningstar. And from the home page on there, um, enter the ticker. And when you enter the ticker and then go to that ticker page, you'll see a slew of choices kind of going uh, horizontally across the toolbar. And one of those choices is key ratios. If you click on that key ratios button, it'll bring up, I think, the last 10 years of annual margins along with a bunch of other data. Um, now, granted, that is just that is just Morningstar's data input there. So you're, you're, you're taking a, a bit of a leap of faith with that. Now, the... the you know, the flip side of that coin is it's Morningstar. I was going to so say, that's a pretty, pretty reputable source. That's a, that's a pretty trusted source. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's that's a pretty reputable source and, and a trustworthy source It's not part. Jason's wacky house of finance.com. <laughs> but it does make, even when, we were looking at this, when we were looking at this question, I was thinking this morning, I was like, man, it just, it we're very spoiled with Capital IQ. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were very fortunate to be able to, to be able to retain those services and use them because it is just a, it was a, just a database full of info that, that is very helpful. Question from Joe Hagan at Marquette University. I'm studying finance right now in college, and I'm always looking to improve both how fast and where I get my investment information. Do you have a specific list of favorite websites, news publications, etc., that you look at every day? Uh, bef- I have a few websites I go to mm-hmm. every day, but first and foremost, Twitter I find to be a very quick and easy resource in part because it's so easy to follow people and it is so easy to determine in a short amount of time to what extent they are contributing to your flow of information. Yep. And it's really easy to just click the unfollow button if someone is not helpful. <laughs> yeah, you give but, them a week trial and if they're not, yeah. if they're not enriching your life by any, any way, then yeah. It's right. free either way, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, Taylor, do you have a, a couple of go-to places that you check out? Uh, yeah, most certainly. Um, a couple things. Uh, quarterly, J.P. Morgan puts out their Guide to the Markets, which is an excellent uh, PowerPoint PDF-style document that you can snag right off their website for free. Um, and it's super easy to digest because it's just charts, graphs, tables, nothing to really read other than um, their, you know, the disclosures about what these charts are actually describing. Um, so I usually go to that as soon as it comes out each quarter. But on a daily basis, um, some art- some articles I like to grab from projectsyndicate.org. Um, it's some of the greatest minds of different kind of, so you look at politics, science, culture, economics. Um, I love that a little bit longer read, so I usually t- save for the weekend or um, if if I've got a break on lunch, I'll I'll, I'll check that out. And then um, Bill Gross puts out a monthly a monthly article that I like to read on Pimco's website. Um, obviously, a brilliant mind in finance, so um, I like to check out what's going through his head. Uh, as far as a daily basis, I really don't have much that I go to Wall Street Journal or Financial Times. I like a little bit better as far as a website is concerned. But again, those are paid for. Um, subscriptions, so it depends on what what you have access to, really. Anything that is specific to the energy uh, industry that you go to, because that's you mainly focus on energy. Yeah, yeah. And I'm curious if there's uh, energy because. God knows, whatever industry you're interested in, <laughs> mm-hmm. there is a news site out there. There is some niche news publication for whatever you're interested in. Sure, yeah. So um, for data, I like to go to the EIA uh, website, Energy Information, or you know the association that the government runs. Um, so uh, that's awesome. They have Today in Energy. You can go check that out. It's You can actually submit ideas that you're wondering about what's going on in the United States or global energy, and they'll put out 
if, if it's something that they've seen from other people, um, they'll put out today in energy. That's what they call it. It's great source. Um, but then rigzone.com is a nice little aggregator of, of articles, all energy and fuelfix.com is produced out of Houston. And so that's another great energy website. Uh, they write some of their own articles, but they also aggregate from other sources as well. So it's a nice compilation. Jason? Before I forget, did you see the Seinfeld thing at halftime? Yes, the comedians in cars with coffee. Great. I really yeah, like that. With, was, uh, yeah, they didn't let George change at all. He still had the red coat on and the scarf, but Jerry looked a little bit more dapper than Newman. he did back I mean, in. it was just, you know, I guess <laughs> they had shown pictures of them walking by, and there yeah. was all the speculation. Who is there? Is there a, you know, are they, are they getting back together? But that, that was it. I actually liked that. It was pretty good. Um, and Tebow made it to the Super Bowl. <laughs> yes, the Tim Tebow commercial was great. <laughs> he had a few of them. He <laughs> did all right with that. He might have been one of the biggest, uh, biggest winners. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, so Wall Street Journal, which, you know, I, I subscribe to, and then I also subscribe to uh, BI Intelligence, which is a uh, they give you a lot of data on mobile tech and stuff like that. But as far as um, sites that you can use, I use Feedly as sort of a consolidator and aggregator, um, and and things like Mashable, TechCrunch, The Verge, GigaOM, those are all great sites for you know things like tech, mobile, internet related, e-commerce, things like that. Um, you can check those on a daily basis, and they're they're free. Um, I like going to industry specific sites like Taylor was talking about. I mean, a couple beyond energy. If you if you if you pay attention to all the retail, there's the National Retail Federation. Um, if you have an inclination to maybe invest in beer, there's the Brewers Association, which is nice. I think a really nice one. Um, and then I think also you know we talk about the the investor relations sites for a lot of these companies. I think those can serve as a very valuable resource because a lot of times beyond just the quarterly calls. Um, you'll see you know, investor presentations that they that they offer throughout the year, and so they'll they'll typically have that investor presentation either in the form of a transcript or they have the transcript and maybe a slide deck that goes with it with some good visuals and graphs and charts and stuff like that. So you can always check back to those uh, investor relations pages, and then I think finally just focus on you know every year. A lot, you know, every, every year these companies put out their annual report, and a lot of these companies, their CEOs will offer up letters to their shareholders. Now, some of them, they're just you can just dismiss them. But when you see letters to shareholders from, I'm going to say, Markel, Berkshire Hathaway, and Amazon, those, those are three companies, for example, that I think are not only worth reading every year, but I think it's also worth going back and reading every single one in existence because it can really help shape your your understanding of, of how those CEOs think. Uh, what their priorities are, how they invest, and in, in they just uh, serve as sort of just a timeless sort of database of information. It really is interesting to go back and look at what Buffett was thinking about yeah. back in the 70s and it 80s really and, and how well it still translates today yeah. to his style and how I think everyone should should try and model themselves after as an investor. And I, I definitely echo the company presentations. Uh, those are vitally helpful, whether you're just looking at a company to get a blink reaction on it or if you're actually diving in. There's a lot of information to be had in those in those presentations. Uh, I will just, uh, if only so that I don't get an earful from one of our colleagues later, uh, mention that Fool.com is a free website. <laughs> yeah, that's a, a lot yeah. of articles that you can read from these guys. Uh, also, we have a free daily email, My Fool Daily, that you can just sign up for. Just go to Fool.com, give us your email address, and that's a compilation. I'm personally, I'm a big fan of information like that that gets pushed to me. Just like I said about Twitter, where it's easy to sign up and follow someone and unfollow them, it's generally pretty easy. The Wall Street Journal has a couple of daily emails mm-hmm. that I subscribe to. Those are free, even though the the newspaper itself requires a subscription. So uh, check out My Full Daily. Taylor Muckerman, Jason Moser, 
Maybe our teams will be in the Super Bowl next year. <laughs> Go Panthers. Thanks for being here. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Ann Henry. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Yeah.